Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience of Smith Weekly, including Paul M., Joe G., Cindy W., and Gordon S. We have a new guest of a returning company with us today. Dr. Moira Smith is here with us. Moira is Vice President, Exploration and Geoscience of Liberty Gold, a gold exploration and development company with focus on advancing the black pine and gold strike heap leach oxide gold projects in Idaho and Utah, United States. Liberty Gold is part of the oxygen group of companies. Liberty Gold is listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol LGD and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol LGDTF. Dr. Smith, thanks for taking the time. Um, thank you for having me. Um, I love talking about my favorite subject, which is uh, Liberty Gold and our properties. Well, Moira, where are you talking to us from and how are things treating you on your side? I am talking to you from Elko, Nevada, which is uh, ground central for gold exploration in the United States, being located right next to the Carlin Trend and just a short drive from our other properties. It's about nine o'clock in the morning, which is a little bit too early for my favorite beverage, but we'll carry on. Well, Moira, that sounds pretty good, and, and Elko's uh, not a bad place to be. Uh, you have a lot of space out there, so that's not too bad of a setup that you have. Yes, we do. So you've got a notable resume in the natural resource sector, and I want to talk about that for a moment. Tell the audience about your early years and what really attracted you to this publicly listed natural resource sector. I spent about 10 years in school and uh, I didn't actually study economic geology, but I worked for a junior company for about three months in Alaska at the tail end of my uh, education. And uh, I was hooked. I mean, jumping out of helicopters in, in Alaska. Um, so I that was in 1990, I tried to find a job and in 1991 and the recession hit and I couldn't find a job to save my life in the sector. So I ended up working for the British Columbia Ministry of Mines for about four years. And that was great because coming from a structural geology background, I got to work around operating mines and kind of learn on the job, the economic geology side of it. After that, I joined Tech Kamenko, well, Tech at the time, for 12 years and that was great because I got to work on some really amazing deposits and several that are now operating mines. I think it's really important to have that experience so that when you join the junior mining sector you know what a mine looks like and the kind of work it takes to put one into production. So that covers my next uh, discussion point here and that is Long Canyon, Pogo, El Lamont and Cobra de Panama, all of these projects uh, you were involved with, and they also all happen to be projects that are producing mines. For you, besides the money and the fun, what mm -hmm. factors really make for a good deposit that, aside from permitting, is ideal for a mine? I think of a mine 
in the making as one that has very simple metallurgy. Um, oxide deposits are fantastic because you know that you're going to have a low cost producer. When I am looking at properties for acquisition, I look for scale. So I look for something that I can see a path to a multi-million ounce it. I think that's something that gets skipped a lot in the junior mining sector. So really metallurgy and scale. I also like data-rich environments. So if someone else de-risks the property by drilling thousands of drill holes, like a black pine, that's a plus as well. You know, the other part of this too is, as you said before, with your time in the sector, um, you've been with gold focus projects for a number of years and you've seen the cyclical nature of this business play out you've got to have a position on the utility of gold and also maybe you can mention what you think about the current price environment for gold <laughs> our president and ceo cal everett who i guess you've interviewed in the past he's one of the most knowledgeable people out there as far as his, his vast network of contacts in the junior mining space and being able to read the tea leaves as far as market conditions. So I'd normally defer to him on these kind of things, but uh, my own opinion and hope is that like right now, we're in the middle of the annual summer doldrums and the market activity and interest in the junior mining space will pick up in the fall. And with respect to Liberty, you know, we went through a bit of a swoon last week, but I think with the resource of Black Pine, followed in short order by PEA in early September. That'll give some economic context to what we're doing. We should see more interest in our stock. And as far as uh, gold, the utility of gold, I don't see it ever losing its value as um, an alternative to the US dollar, for example. Yeah, that's great. I certainly have similar agreements with you on those particular subjects, and uh, gold has a place in, in a portfolio, irrespective of your thought on the price trajectory of it, uh, that it's also maybe not necessarily an investment vehicle in terms of potential gains, but it does its job in preservation first. And if you have anything beyond that, that that's icing on the cake. And certainly, Cal is a, a fantastic guy, has a lot of information, a lot of contacts, and is a very sharp uh, tool in the shed, if you will, for uh, you know everything gold. Well, I can tell you my portfolio is heavily leveraged toward uh, junior mining companies, particularly those in the oxygen group. Yeah, certainly, and for the audience that uh, you're also as a director over there at uh, Discovery Metals as well, which has a fantastic deposit in Mexico. Well, let's just get into Liberty here for a moment. It's been a while since we've uh, had Cal on the show. Can you just give us a quick update on the uh, capital structure here with the shares outstanding, the last uh, cash balance on hand, and then, of course, if you want to mention uh, some of the major shareholders? Sure. Liberty, as of June 30th, the end of the uh, second quarter, had 265.5 million shares outstanding about 18.6 million warrants outstanding that are 100% in the money and they expire in the fall. So we expect that that will top off our treasury. Um, our market cap is around 350 million Canadian. We have about $19 million in working capital right now. So we're uh, 
we're really good in that sense. And we have a number of things coming in, like a payment on Halila, which we saw last year, that will offer more non-dilutive capital for us. We are 46% held by institutions and funds. And the big ones are like Venek, um, Franklin, Merck, um, some really good names there. And 7.2% of the company is held by management and insiders. That number has probably gone up since a bunch of us uh, exercised options last week with the decline in our share price. And our largest corporate holder is Newmont at 5.2%. That's excellent, Moira. I appreciate that. And I know Cal has a pretty large position. I think the largest of all management members there. You guys just came out with the Black Pine initial resource estimate. Um, talk about that for a moment and what your thoughts are on that. So we got into Black Pine because um, I went there as early as 2011 and could see that there was this constellation of small pits, but from a structural standpoint, it looked like gold mineralization could extend between the pits and around the pits, and that's a much larger gold system than um, was ever mined in the past. And it had a wealth of historical data, 1,400 drill holes with uh, unmined gold minerals, gold intercepts in them. So when we were able to buy it for about a million dollars uh, um, in 2016, uh, we spent, we thought we were getting a good deal. Hopefully you'll think so too. We spent about 18 months compiling it and modeling it and getting a comprehensive drill permit. And then we followed it with two fairly large drill programs in 2019 and 2020. We had enough data after those two drill campaigns to a uh, resource estimate. And we knew that we weren't done drilling off the system, but we wanted to demonstrate that we had a large gold deposit here. So this was a good time to do it. So we put out the resource estimate last week and we reported an indicated 1.715 million ounces and an inferred 370 million ounces at an average grade of about 0.5 grams per ton gold and a cutoff of 0.2 grams per ton gold. So that's about 82% indicated, which is uh, reflective of over 2,000 historic drill holes. So two concerns that the market had last week were the average grade, but it's important to note that within that, there's a higher grade subset of the resource at a 0.5 gram cutoff that is over a million ounces indicated at just over one gram per ton. So this is essentially a high grade deposit with an enormous halo of lower grade material around it. And that's just the nature of the deposit. We were very pleased with it. It came in more or less bang on what we had been telegraphing to the market and met our own internal goalposts. So we're off to the races. Um, I think it's important to note that this is just a stepping stone. It's not the last word on how big the deposit is because um, it's going to get a lot larger. There's huge areas that are still undrilled. And I think, too, that the grades are fine. I think that, you know, the whole sector has been caught up in broad market activity. 
and then also sentiment as well that's that's kind of come down here i i don't think it's just liberty that's that's gotten punished by the market recently i think the whole sector has been punished but i think the grades for this type of deposit heap leach the location i i think that this is uh, very very suitable if you look at comparable operations in the great basin there are lots of low-grade heap leach oxide operations and most of them have an average grade that's lower than that and they are mining down to much lower grades at this point so when you compare it to you know what's going on in the great basin and what kind of a deposit it is and how it's going to be mined it's yeah just fine Cover the next steps here, uh, infill and step out drilling. You guys have a program. What are your expectations coming out of this based on what you've completed to date? Um, you know, give our audience an idea of where you see this uh, shaping up after this current program that's taking place. So in terms of just exploration and drilling, um, we're drilling away. We started in April with, and we've got three our SIG drills on the property. We've got about 70,000 uh, meters of drilling planned for this year. So we'll be doing infill on the resource so that we can convert inferred blocks to indicated. And that way we can use it going forward in a pre-feasibility study. We're also doing step-out drilling around the various zones in the deposit as most of the zones are open in multiple directions. So we'll keep going um, but most of the drilling over 50 percent of the budget is going to be targeting areas that are around and peripheral to the pits where there's big soil anomalies lots of indications of gold mineralization but um, little to absolutely no drilling so we're going to use that to get an idea over of the overall size of the gold system We've been promising that for a couple of years, but we keep finding gold and then staying there and drilling it off. But hopefully this will let us tag into the next big pod or pods of higher grade mineralization like we found in the discovery zone. And also in the process, add to the gold endowment there. So it's gonna be a really busy year from an exploration standpoint. And the company's working on a PEA for release later this year, actually in September, not too far away, uh, is the current plan. Maybe just give us a fallpark flavor for what this PEA will look like, uh, what you expect it to look like. Uh, maybe speak to the production profile. And then also, given your experience with uh, Long Canyon and your experience in this region, you know, what type of production profile do you think mid-tiers and majors are really looking for? That's an important point, and it's important to know that the resource is not a standalone. We're not just saying, okay, we drilled some gold, here's a resource. And it's, as I mentioned, not the last word on how much gold there is at Black Pine, but we need to look at it in a larger context. So that is a strategy that points us toward development and mining. So yeah, the next step is a PEA and we are well along in this process. It is the lead group is SLR with uh, Golder and KCA and a bunch of high profile consultants. So it's going to be a really good document. We're on track to get it out probably in the first week of September, hopefully ahead of the September meetings. And we are really excited about how it's going. Um, it's, we anticipate that this is going to be 
uh, or brenamine heat bleach operation. Um, some of it will be crushed and agglomerate based on our metallurgical testing. We're looking at various scenarios somewhere between say 10 and 20 million tons a year with a production sort of an, on the order of say 150,000 ounces a year. But uh, don't quote me on those numbers because uh, the PEA and the trade-offs will, will dictate what those final numbers are. We're also encouraging our consultants to look at the big picture. You know, they can't work with anything that isn't resource, obviously, but um, designing it with an eye to that this is going to be a much larger deposit in the future. So don't under-engineer it. Also, other things that we're doing around that as far as demonstrating economic viability and looking to the future in a pre-feasibility study. Uh, this year, we did phase three metallurgical column testing. That should be out toward the end of September. That will double the amount of med testing from 35 columns to 78. And we'll be doing more drilling for phase four this year as well. We're also doing more permitting to the east of the deposit where it's likely that a heat bleach pad would be situated. We're also acquiring private land and mineral rights. And we're hoping this year to line up with all the process water we would need for a mine. And that's a really important de-risking step in this part of the world. So yeah, the project is gonna look very different between now and the end of the year. More red, talk about that for a moment, and I want to come back to a prior topic here. But you know what you guys expect on the permitting process, because you know if you've also again have lots of experience in this region. But talk about your experience in the permitting process in this region. How difficult do you think that will be? And then maybe just give us a little bit more flavor for what the company is doing to secure suitable water resources for the project. So permitting first in a general sense. Just about everything in the Great Basin is located on federal land, so you're either dealing with the um, US BLM or the Forest Service. And the permitting process is very involved, but compared to most other jurisdictions, it's also quite transparent. And uh, we're in a good place because we also have the support in Nevada, Utah, and Idaho of the state governments, which do play a role in that as well. So at Black Pine, we've developed a close working relationship with the Forest Service and the Bureau of Land Management. And these are going to be front and center going forward in the permitting process, so it's good to develop that relationship. We've got a very large exploration permit, the largest we've ever um, attempted to do, and things uh, have gone pretty smoothly. The state of Idaho has also been very supportive of what we're doing. So our current permit gives us access for drilling over 12 square kilometers in the heart of the gold system. And um, that's, uh, that in itself is a pretty big accomplishment. I think Black Pine is ideally situated and it has a lot going for it in terms of a relatively easy permitting path. The resource area is completely dry. There's no water ever encountered in drilling. There's no water in the pits. There's no surface water. There's no fish. 
And because any water that does fall on the property is in the Great Salt Lake Basin, there's no downstream salmon fisheries or anything like that. The mineralization is all oxide and that's hosted in carbonate rocks. So there isn't gonna be an issue with the acid generation or anything like that. Virtually the entire area was burned off in 2007. So there's no timber values. It's been mined and reclaimed. People have been looking at that view shed for 30 years, you know, and the, the local stakeholders are very supportive of us. So I think we have a really good um, permitting scenario going forward. Yeah, fully agreed. I think that this uh, is a nice setup and it, both of the core projects at Liberty uh, have a pretty straightforward permitting path and that aligns a lot more certainty with regards to the company and how that'll continue to proceed and play out here. On the recoveries, the recovery testing done so far, just talk about that and then also, you know, the consistency of, of the recoveries um, on Black Pine. First, I'm going to brag about our metallurgical consultant. His name is Gary Simmons. He uh, worked for Newmont and was in charge of their metallurgical programs for a couple of decades. And now he's uh, um, the best consultant uh, anywhere for this kind of deposit. And uh, so he is designing our programs. We've done a phase one that had six bulk samples with large diameter columns um, from the historic pit floors. I came back with a weighted average 78.9% gold extraction. Then we did phase two, 29 variability column tests, and it comprised all ore types and all grade bins. And that came up with an 82% weighted average gold extraction. The recovery curves are very flat, right out to a run of mine size. So that isn't an issue. Some of it has some clay in it and it's gonna need crushing and agglomeration, not to improve the recovery so much as the stability of the heaps and maintaining porosity and stuff like that. Overall, we expect that the actual recovery is gonna be um, somewhat lower than what we've seen in the column testing, just because there's a really strong correlation between grade and recovery. So when we get up in the two, three gram range, we're talking like 90% recovery. Um, so with an overall average grade, that is lower than the actual calm test. So we'll see, you know, maybe mid seventies or something like that. Um, but that's still really good for mostly run of mine. So I'm going, Forward, we have phase three column tests, 43 additional columns, and they're through leaching, and we expect to be able to release that data in late September and have every expectation that it's going to be along the lines of phase one and phase two. That should take us close to a pre-feasibility in terms of the number of column tests, but we're going to keep doing it because you can't have enough. Yeah, that sounds good. And it's this is certainly in line with, you know, other comparable projects, um, if in some cases actually a little bit better. So appreciate you talking about that because that is important. You know, we are still really early on in the full delineation of the deposits of Black Pine, but given what you've seen here at Moira and your experience at Long Canyon, does Black Pine have the potential to be a similar size and scale as a Long Canyon? 
It absolutely does. And there's some real similarities and some real differences. So um, for people that uh, haven't followed us for that long, Long Canyon was like the crown jewel in Frontier Gold. And we acquired it in 2007 and sold it to Newmont in 2011 for about $2 billion. It was put into production in 2016 um, with a phase one mining above the water table. And the similarities, they're both off-trend Carlin deposits that are found well east of the Carlin trend on rocks that are part of that old continental shelf. Long Canyon was higher grade overall because the rocks are much tighter, so they don't allow the gold to you know, spread out into the surrounding rocks. Whereas black pine, is the rocks are just totally hammered. And so we have a much larger halo of lower grade gold mineralization around a higher grade core. But we think that um, that will provide a lot of optionality in terms of bulk mining it. In some ways, I like the potential at Black Pine better in that we can see it's a very large gold system that isn't as tightly constrained by the, the rocks and the geology. And we also like it because all of it is located above the present water table, and that's going to simplify things in terms of permitting and mining. So in terms of the scale of the deposit, I think they can be very similar in terms of gold endowment. Um, just black pine is more spread out, I guess you could say. So post-PEA, give us a rough schedule, Moira, on what you think the advancement work will be and if a pre-feasibility study is certainly on the schedule within the, say, the next 12 to 18 months. So no guarantees, so don't quote me, but uh, after we have the PEA in, in hand and look at the economics of it, um, then we might be in a position to make a decision on when to pull the trigger on a, a pre-feasibility study. So that we go into that. So um, would we want to wait until we have a better idea of the overall gold endowment? You know, is it 3 million ounces, is it 4 million ounces, is it more? Where is it located before we pull the trigger on a, a pre-feasibility? Or can we work with the 2 million ounces we've already defined and say, well, this kind of operation is scalable, right? So in a, in a pre-feasibility, we can design a heap leach pad um, and then enlarge it later if we um, need to put more material on it. Personally, I think we're leaning toward going forward with a pre-fees sooner than later because um, that's one of the rate determining steps as far as permitting goes. The agencies aren't going to look at something that doesn't have a pre-feasibility in terms of permitting a mine. So uh, the sooner we get that done, the sooner we can move forward with permitting. Okay, let's leave Black Pine for a moment because I want to touch on Gold Strike, which I think is another important uh, asset of the company. Of course, Gold Strike's in Utah, not far away. I certainly think this project needs some good attention, and I know you guys have some plans for the project here this year. But just talk about those plans, and do you see this project being advanced ahead of Black Pine at this point, or is Black Pine going to be the priority to where it essentially may advance past where Gold Strike is, is standing right now? Sure. So Gold Strike um, is located just outside of, of uh, St. George in southern Utah. And we did 
a bunch of drilling over there over several years, and we produced a PEA that shows that you can um, you can have a profitable mining operation there. The resource stands at about um, 1.25 million ounces. Um, about 25% of that is inferred and 75% is indicated. So in order to move the project forward from the PEA and move it into pre-feasibility, we need to convert that 25% of the deposit that's inferred to indicated since that's all you can use in a pre-fees. So right now we have a drill turning there and it's been there for about a month, month and a half and it's doing infill drilling to be able to achieve that goal. So we're looking at um, somewhere between 10 and 20,000 meters of drilling there this year. The drilling is going very quickly and we would do a resource update when we're done and then decide when to pull the trigger on a pre-fees. Given that it is a smaller deposit and we still are putting black pine ahead of it on the schedule in terms of advancing the property. Moira, do you think Gold Strike has uh, some good exploration potential? Should Black Pine move ahead there and, and you guys have some additional efforts on Gold Strike? Do you see that based on what you've seen, does Gold Strike have a good potential to grow? It does. Um, there are a number of areas that we still haven't drill tested yet that are extensions of the existing deposit, uh, especially to the north. Um, I don't see it as being having the same kind of potential um, as Black Pine to turn into like a, a major company, tier one asset, but it still has a, a large and potentially growing resource base and it's gonna be a nice mine. You know, we've got TV Tower, which we'll leave that for now, but uh, TV Tower is certainly something that will probably be monetized, I believe, as, as you guys continue on here. Well, we did a um, a resource update there earlier this spring, and we came up with close to three million gold equivalent ounces there. It's very attractive to a lot of Turkish companies, and we have Halila 15 kilometers away, similar deposit type uh, gold copper porphyry that is uh, in development right now. So. Um, I love TV Tower. I loved working there. I loved making discoveries there, and uh, it's a good asset. Certainly, and and it would be uh, if you guys can achieve a sale on that, some type of monetization of that asset that would go pretty large to uh, you know Black Pine work and and to the core projects there in the Great Basin. Absolutely. Environmental social governance is a uh, trendy topic, yet it has been really relevant <laughs> going back many years. But what is the company doing on this front to align all of the parties and aspects involved with regards to social license to bring Black Pine to an eventual mine reality? So, yes, it certainly encompasses, well, every aspect of how uh, exploration companies operate, or at least it should. And so we're working on a, uh, an ESD program on a corporate level that will be integrated across the entire company but I can speak about some of our on the ground activities in, in the Great Basin and in particular Black Pine. And the two areas that we're focused on on the ground are 
the environment environmental impact of a downstream mine and also we're earning our social license so just to give you a few examples on the environmental side of black pine we are working with the government agencies and going above and beyond what's needed for permitting on a you know on a year-to-year -year basis so a couple of initiatives we're doing we're working with the federal government on a mule deer winter range study funding it and also the rehabilitation of sage grouse habitat and these are initiatives that go far beyond the boundaries of the property um, you know if we can mitigate sage grouse habitat that is several miles from the property we're hoping that they'll take that into account when we go to permit a mine for example and we always try and operate to the highest environmental standards on the social side our secret weapon is pete shabastari he's our great basin vp of operations a fairly new role for him and he is a very charming person born and raised in utah a couple hours south of the property and he knows the target audience well so he's out there talking to local stakeholders he leads tours for them um, he looks at you know what we need to do to contribute to community fence and stuff he does that he's leading tours like on a weekly basis out there and as well we're putting a lot of money into the local community in terms of local hire um housing um that you know that kind of thing and just getting to know the local stakeholders it's a very interesting group of people it's probably 90 percent um lds and they are pro-growth and pro-development and i really so far you know supporting the project that's excellent and i think one of the big benefits here should black pine continue to grow is uh just that longer term support in the community and then of course uh the employment opportunities and then the indirect jobs and so forth i think that's a big component for that particular region um well it's sparsely populated out there um but um the people that do live there most of them if they're my demographic they worked at the mine um if they're the younger demographic they're hoping to work at the mine so um so far so good on that well moira for potential investors who are on the sidelines listening here market cap of liberty gold stands at about 325 million canadian what would you say to them at this stage given the the price has also come down what do you tell them at this point well this is another cal question but uh, my perspective is we're on sale. <laughs> you know, if you consider just the NPV of the gold strike in the PEA at the current gold price, and you look at the potential value from a sale of our TV tower, gold property, gold copper property, and then you look at the cash that's coming in through the sale of the Holly Law property and our ongoing payments, you look at the warrants and the money, options and the money, cash in the treasury, and as well cal's done an excellent job of placing our other non-core properties into various companies i'd say you're getting black pine almost for free so that would be my statement on it 
I share a similar view, and uh, it's certainly come down, and it's it's getting back into that area that it's uh, becoming an obvious uh, buy here. Well, best way for the investors to reach out to the company? The best way is to talk to Susie, who's on this call and listening in. You can email her at info at libertygold.ca. And another good way is just go to our website at www.libertygold.ca. And we have lots of information on there as well as contacts. Moira, it was good to have you on the program. Keep up the work and progress at Liberty. Thank you. It was a pleasure and uh, stay tuned. Exciting things to come.